The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And they looked up, and they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. One of the books that influenced me greatly when I was studying at St. Peter's Seminary was a book we read in our first year of philosophy and ethics class. It was authored by Viktor Frankl, an Austrian psychotherapist of Jewish descent who was a survivor of the Holocaust. And the book's title is A Man's Search for Meaning. And it was about his account about how he was able to survive the Auschwitz concentration camp and how he would tell people over and over again in his talks afterwards how we give our suffering meaning by the way in which we respond to it. He, his wife and mother endured tremendous suffering. His wife and mother unfortunately did not survive the Holocaust, but he did. And he was then reflecting on the ways in which he found hope in the midst of lack of food, tremendous suffering, and despair all around him. He recounts at one point in the book an episode that occurred when he and fellow prisoners were forced to dig a ditch, a ditch that had no purpose, wasn't draining from or into anything, and it was the middle of winter. The ground was frozen and all they had were pickaxes. And now every time he would swing the pickaxe, he would start to see sparks fly off from the frozen ground as they were getting nowhere. And because of the malnutrition and harsh conditions, many of the men were giving up and losing their mind from this pointless task and even collapsing on the job site. And he was able to persevere. And he reflected later what allowed him to continue on. How come he did not collapse as well? He was on the same diet and the same rations as everyone else. And he recognized it was because in those moments of despair, he would have powerful memories of his wife. His loving wife would come to mind and he would cherish those memories and replay them at any moment of despair and of hopelessness. And it would unleash a grace and a power to allow him to continue on just for that next minute or next hour of the day. He would later write in the book, forces beyond your control can take everything, can take everything you possess except one thing, 
your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. Forces beyond your control can take away everything you possess except one thing, your freedom to choose how you will respond to the situation. That's the one freedom nothing and no circumstance can take away, how we will respond to a situation we find ourselves in, especially if that situation is filled with injustice, pain, or suffering. Throughout the season of Lent, we're reflecting on the reality of how can we trust God when God doesn't make sense, when we don't understand his ways. So Father Paul last weekend explored how evil and suffering and death was not part of God's original plan. And the first reading about our first parents, Adam and Eve, and how they transgressed and went away from the Lord, who gave them to eat of the fruit of all the trees in the garden of Eden except for one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because that would make them no longer creatures of God the Creator, but gods themselves, determining what is good and evil and right and wrong, and how harm and evil would ensue because they would make wrong choices. God wanted to protect them from that, but they transgressed that law, and then sin and death and suffering entered into the world. But God did not end the book story of the story there. So amazingly, he sent his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, into our world to experience even suffering and death, so that there's nothing that happens in our life from the moment of our birth to our last breath that cannot be touched by divine love, by the presence of God himself and Jesus in those moments when we invite him in. And that can be a powerful time when we experience sufferings great or small, that when we place divine love there in that moment, it can give it meaning, and it can help us respond to that situation with tremendous faith, hope, and charity, for ourselves and for others. We have an example of how somebody brought powerful grace and memory into their life at different times in our first reading today that helped him through suffering. It's Abraham. We have the story of his calling today. As God comes to him in a powerful way, in a vivid prayer experience, to help him in his calling, God tells him, go from your country, from your father's house, leave everything behind, and go to the country that I will show you. I don't know about you, but in prayer experiences, I need a few more details from the Lord in order to follow that. That's a little big and a little ambiguous and vague for most of us to follow. But Abraham trusts God, even though it doesn't make complete sense at that moment, leaves everything behind, and throughout his life, whenever he goes through difficulties, whenever he goes through sufferings, and even when he messes up, he goes back to that vivid experience of God's calling him and God's promise. I will make you a great nation, Abraham, and I will bless you and make your name great. Even when he and his wife are unable to conceive a child, and yet God has told them that their descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore, even though Abraham struggled with that tremendously, he would go back to that experience of that prayer and vision of God and that calling, and that would help him renew his confidence in God and continue on. That can help us as well. To recall a moment in which we encountered the Lord in a very powerful way, in prayer or in daily life, and then when sufferings, pain, and injustices come along the way, recall that experience, ask the Holy Spirit to bring it to mind, and it unleashes an energy and a strength to help us give meaning to the situation and persevere on at least for the next step in the journey and for the next day. A second thing that can help us in times of injustice and suffering to help us trust God, even though he doesn't make sense in that moment, is given to us in our second reading, 
St. Paul is in prison at this time because of his faithfulness to Jesus Christ. He's in a Roman prison, and what he decides to do in the darkest hour of his faith journey is to write letters to others, to write letters to his friends. And so friendship, good solid friendship of people, brothers and sisters in Christ, who can accompany us in our life's journey, can be a powerful antidote and strength against times of pain and suffering. They can help us through those moments tremendously. When I get to heaven, I want to ask St. Paul, did anybody write back to your letters? We have only the correspondence of the letters he sent out to his friends Timothy, to Titus, and to other churches whom he knew. I'm sure he received messages back and faithful help from these friends that he reached out to. And knowing that they were praying for him and encouraging him helped him through those dark moments and continue on in his journey of faith. In my own life, and as we all experience sufferings great or small, I would use that kind of tactic and strategy from Abraham. Many times throughout the week when the burden of the day and the workload of the parishes that we're responsible for is overwhelming and the tasks start piling up on the desk and in the email box and things just seem so stressful and unable to overcome, God places in my heart a memory of one of my first jobs when I was working in a vegetable farm in LaSalle. Worked there for several summers, late grade school and high school. And there we were about three Canadians on a crew with 18 migrant workers from Mexico. And I remember the first week on the job, cutting cabbage. And after a few hours, I would look up and look down in the distance. You know what I would see? More cabbage. And I was so frustrated. This was like the greatest suffering a 14-year-old can go through. I was angry at the next head of cabbage in front of me, so I kicked it. Didn't solve many problems there. It was about 90 degrees outside in the summer months, and all of this kind of oppressiveness was overcoming my morale and my positivity. And at that point of that frustration, I looked over to the migrant worker from Mexico next to me, and I'll never forget this. He made the sign of the cross before he started his row of cabbage. I felt about this big at that point there. I knew enough Spanish at the time, because otherwise it would be a very long summer not communicating with these fellow workers, that they explained to me why they were working. They were working so that their children could have a better life, could receive a better education and better job opportunities in the future. They were doing this as an act of faith and sacrifice for their children and family. And I reflected why I was working. I was working so that I could have spending money and something on my resume for a future employment opportunity. I was working mainly for myself. Nothing wrong with that in and of itself, but they had a greater goal that certainly surpassed mine. And so to this day, whenever I struggle with the workload and the stresses of the work life each and every day and the vocation God has called me to, that memory will come to mind and reminds me to be grateful for the meaning and purpose and vocation God has given to me and why I'm doing this work, for the greater glory of God and for the sake of others whom I'm serving in our parish families. And even every now and again, in the quietness of the office or where in the car, I'll make the sign of the cross, just like that worker did, to remind me of why I'm doing what I'm doing with God's grace. All of us have those kind of experiences and friendships that we can call to mind when we go through sufferings. Cutting cabbage is nothing in comparison to what Viktor Frankl and others had to go through in the Holocaust, certainly. Some of us have greater suffering, some of us smaller, but we all experience it in life. And it can make sense when we ask the Lord for those moments of transfiguration, 
those moments of grace that we can recall to our minds, and good friendships that can accompany us in the journey of faith to allow us to keep the hope in our hearts that God wants to give to us.